The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you'd like to make your NFL games a little more interesting, you've come to the right place. It's the Even Money Podcast with Ross Tucker and Steve Fezzik. Yeah, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It is the Even Money Podcast presented by DraftKings, America's number one rated sportsbook app. And yes, you have come to the right place. We are up over 120 units betting professional football since 2017. You've come to the right place. I'm Ross Tucker, NFL on Twitter and social media. You can always get at the show as well, at Ross Tucker Pod. I think most of you know now. If you're new, welcome. You can see the helmets and the game balls and stuff like that behind me. I did play for seven years. Now I got a bunch of podcasts, a bunch of media gigs, and here I am today. My 42nd birthday, and I still have not gotten a real job. Ha ha. Take that, guidance counselor from high school. Loving every second of it. My co-host, of course, on this show, the Even Money Podcast, the one and only Steve Fezzik, at Fezzik Sports on Twitter, and only at Fezzik Sports on Twitter. We love those of you that sign up for our email newsletter over at RossTucker.com. Or go ahead and become a patron or go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross NFL to actually watch the show. Hello, Steve. How are you? I am excellent, Ross. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Doing doing very good. I, I am of the age, Steve, I will say, where I I don't love birthdays. Like I know I'm getting older. I, I don't need to I don't need to I don't like that I turned 42 today. Like, I'm not happy about that. You know what you I mean? You know, the early 40s, I might make the case as the perfect vampire age. Of course, when you become a vampire, you don't age anymore. All right? Now, I'd rather be 26 because, you know, projecting forward than 27, 28, 29 is better than 43, 44, 45. But just one age for a guy, I think 40s damn good age. Interesting. All right. Well, uh, let's bring on today's guest. Very fired up about this guy. Uh, I used to go on his radio show in San Francisco a bunch at Joe Fortenbaugh. This is when you know you've really made it and when you know you're really a big baller. When you have down on your Twitter location, 
two different places, <laughs> Las Vegas and San Francisco. You know, he summers in, in, in San Francisco, but winters in Vegas. Or when you have a daily television show on ESPN, yet you don't even put the name of it in your bio. So all I know is uh, Daily Wager, I think it is. Is that right? Daily Wager, ESPN 2, 6 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. Nice, nice. Well, the real funny thing is, Joe, uh, I've had you on my list of people to get in here on the Even Money podcast for a while. Um, I really enjoy your work, radio, and, of course, on the new TV show. So I had you come on today, and I had no idea that evidently you and Steve Fezzik already know each other. Well, there's a lot I need to start with here. First is happy birthday to you, Ross, because obviously if we're going to lead with all the birthday stuff, I got to come on with a lot of class and show you. gratitude. <laughs> Number two, the guidance counselor at, what was it, Why I'm Missing High School? Is that yes, right? Yes, there you go. I'm from a little bit further north. I went to Parkland in Allentown, Pennsylvania, so I'm very familiar with uh, where you're from. I didn't um, know you went to Parkland. What year? 1999. I'm a couple years behind you. Okay, so were you guys? Were you guys were good then? You had Morgan's as the coach. Morgan's came on later. He was at Allentown Central Catholic at that time. Uh, it was Rich Snizak who was our coach at that time. So we had a pretty good run under him. Morgan's took over a few years later. He coached one of my younger brothers. But I mean, all throughout the Lehigh Valley, everywhere he's been, those teams had a lot of success. So yeah, Morgan's at Central Catholic. He they beat the tar off of us in the second week of the season. Uh, both of us went on to win district championships. They won the state title that year, but he did. He was a f- fantastic head coach. Um, yeah, yeah Steve, just to, so Steve, just the background, Joe's high school, they look just like Ohio State, number one. Yeah. Uh, number two, their stadium, I drove by it once. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. <laughs> I love it. And uh, I don't know, what do you guys have, like 800 kids in a grade or 1,000 in a grade? Legitimately, you guys probably get between five to 10,000 people a game? Uh, it's a good question. I was the last graduating class at the old high school, which was a dump. The new one, which both my younger brothers went to uh, and that you're referencing, I think they're probably doing about 800 kids per class or so and maybe even more at this point. And for the games – uh, the team's been pretty good. I haven't been back in a long time. My parents retired to Florida, but um, but we were selling out back then, and they sold out for a while after that. You know, a lot of people standing room only. You know how Pennsylvania football is. When it's good, people are really into it, man. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, so you know Steve, though. Okay, so it's a great story because this is my second stint in Vegas right now. I originally moved out to Vegas in 2011, and it's long story short, but I had maybe two grand to my name, and a maxed out credit card. And I was writing for a website about football and I wanted to get in on sports betting. Like I had always enjoyed sports betting. It's something I'd always did, but I was the total, total marble, right? Like I didn't know much about it. I was just betting favorites. I was trying to get good at it. And I decided, you know what? I'm single. I got nothing going on in PA. I picked up on a whim pretty much. And two months later, moved to Las Vegas. I said I was going to cover football for one season. I was going to get to know all the guys who bet it professionally. I was going to try to get to know all the bookmakers and I was going to learn the industry, hoping that one day down the road, I'm making a bet on myself that if legalization occurs, maybe that skill set will carry some value. Fezzik's one of the first dudes out of the gate that I meet because he was coming off back-to-back wins in the super contest. So anyone to even come close to cashing in that contest obviously knows what they're doing. To win it's another level, to win it in back-to-back years, never been done before. 
So Fez was one of the first guys I had been talking to. He had always been nice and sharing some time for articles I was writing. And then I went and met him. Fez, I don't know if you remember this. First time we ever met was at the M Resort. I came down to see you. I was doing a little like uh, video series where I would sit down and ask guys that knew what they were doing a few questions here and there about stuff. And he was always very gracious with his time. I learned a lot from him. So it's awesome to be on this with you guys today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, I love that M Resort in the South Point. I live in Henderson, so it's like my rotation, if you will. When I'm driving into the Strip, uh, I would stop at the M when they were Cantor, then I'd stop at the South Point, making bets all along the way. You know, I had it all, like, scripted out on Friday night. Oftentimes, I'd leave it, like, 10 at night, and I'd hit each place right before they closed. <laughs> you know what, Steve? I actually have a question on that. So... Now you live out there, right? Now that everything can be mobile, and I'm assuming it's mobile is legal in Vegas. Do you even have to do that anymore? You do, and let me give you an example. The problem is the apps have lower limits. So there was a college basketball bet. I love this bet. So I bet the field against three teams. So I'm betting basically against Gonzaga, against Baylor, and against Villanova. I took the field small plus money. I go into my app at the South Point, $200 limit. That's not going to whet my appetite. So, boom, I have to go ahead and, and, and jump into the Batmobile and drive down there in person. No problem. $2,000. You want a bit more, Fez? Sure, we'll take $2,000. And a lot of the bookmakers just don't want to have big limits on the apps because they take a five-minute break and they come back and something breaks on the news and like 14 different guys have all bet it all at once. So they can't really manage the liability properly. So they make the, the app limit oftentimes 10 to 25% of what the limit is in person. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so Joe, I mentioned it a little bit and, and we got your background, but tell everybody all the stuff you're doing now. Right now, full-time with ESPN, daily wagers on from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. So we have a great time slot there leading right into the games. Now, the good news with that is that we've got all the information generally with, right before these games tip off, for example. We've got all the injuries. The bad news is we're giving out lines that are real-time lines. So we might have games in the morning or the night before that we're talking about on the show that we love. But, you know, by the time you get to the show, you can't be talking about how you like something in the morning, right? We want to give it out in real time. So you make adjustments on the fly, but there's good and there's bad. We try to be as informative as possible. I do an online streaming show on ESPN+. Plus. It's called Bet. It's on at um, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That's a little bit more of a fun version on betting. You know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We try to have a lot more fun with it. It's not as analytical. And then, uh, you know, I do some game day radio for ESPN on Saturdays with Matt Jones and Myron Metcalf. So it's a busy schedule, but it's a fun schedule. When you're talking about sports for a living, you're not really working. You're just talking about your passion. So I think I told you this, Joe, but um, I do all the Army home games. And yeah. so I found myself this year, I, I, I did eight Army home games on Saturday. So I get done, I hop in the car to drive three hours back to central Pennsylvania where I live now in Harrisburg. And I would listen to you guys most of the drive. It was a great listen. You and Matt Jones and, and Myron, I, I really enjoyed it. It was like, because that was, um, it was rare. It'd be rare for there to be a game that was so good. I like Now, if it was a Penn State game, I would listen to that because I do some Penn State media stuff. But if there wasn't a Penn State game on, I'd listen to you guys because I'd rather just hear you guys talk about the topics of the day as well as 
whatever was going on in college football. I appreciate it. It's a fun show. They're smart guys. We have a really different background. Matt's from the South, uh, from Kentucky. Myron's from the Midwest, but up north in Minnesota. And I'm from the Northeast originally, but now I've you know been out West for a while. So it's kind of a, a nice divergence of difference, of difference of opinion. And when you're doing ESPN radio, it's great because you've got these shorter segments where you come in, you unload your A material, and then you're done. When when you would join us in San Francisco on 95.7 The Game, we were doing like 40 and 45-minute segments, which gives you a great opportunity to really stretch out a conversation and get nuanced, bring in the callers and guests as well. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you if it's a drier day during baseball season, you might find yourself, you know, repeating it a little bit throughout the course. So different challenges, but they bring different opportunities as well. Speaking of opportunities, I, I uh, emailed you, Joe, and talked about some NFL season takeaways, some NFL futures, stuff like that, and we might get into that. But Steve texted me a whole bunch of bets that he likes right here, right now. Yes. So I feel like we need to talk about it, and then I'm going to let you, Joe, react to some of uh, Fez. And by the way, Steve, I know I've asked this before, but when someone like Joe mentions it, it's got to be just about statistically impossible that you won the Super Contest back-to-back. Without question. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, during the same period of time, I actually won the South Point Contest twice. And what happened is that I had two entries, and both of them tied for first. There was one other guy, you know, that won it. So I, I went on a contest complete. Um, I just ran better than God, to be honest. And what's funny is that there was a poker player, I think Madsen is his name, and like same t- close to the same time period, and he won all these tournaments. And then they interviewed him like five years later, and I think he said, "If only I knew how well I had run. I actually thought I was like, you know, you know, look at me, I'm unbeatable." And it, I really, I, I did well. My handicapping was good, but you're going to beat 300 people in multiple contests more than once. You got to be luckier than all hell. <laughs> yeah, it's just the math, right? It's just, it's just the math part. I mean, that makes sense. All right, so Steve, the first thing you texted me, NBA, LeBron James now minus one ten to win the MVP, averaging thirty six minutes in February, has not missed a game. Terrible idea to chase the MVP, hurting the Lakers. Explain. Yeah, so Michael Jordan has five MVPs, and LeBron has four. Let me see. Let me do the math. Oh, that's not – four is less than five. That would look a lot better for the legacy to have at least as many as Michael Jordan. And I think that LeBron is chasing the wrong thing here. Why is he playing every game? Why is he playing all these minutes? Now, I know this is terrible because in this world where everyone hates player entitlement and load management and the like – and we all are so hypercritical of that. Here's an example where I really think LeBron is hurting his team long-term by chasing this MVP with all of these minutes. And I know that he was like 20th in the NBA in terms of minutes played, but when you just multiply number of games by minutes, now he's like at the very top of the NBA. Come on now. You just came off a season where you had to play deep into October, came back and you were playing in Christmas it's time for LeBron to take some games off and start thinking long-term for the playoffs. Okay, so then, uh, Steve or Joe, how, how do we bet that then? Well, when it comes to the MVP, LeBron, there was a good case for LeBron a few weeks back when he was sitting there at 10-1, to 8-1, to even 6-1. to 
And then it kind of became a popular thing. It drove the price all the way down. And like Fezzik said, you know, I don't think a lot of us thought this is how he was going to approach the season. He had made these comments and he was, you know, I don't want to say adamant, but he was more for the season starting in January rather than December. Uh, like Steve said, they had run so deep into the finals in October. It was such a short layoff that ultimately, you know, we figured he was going to load manage and take some time off. And instead he's played every single game. So it, it does appear clear he's chasing this award and that right now it's not like you're getting the best of it because there were better prices out there. Joel Embiid's coming on very strong at this point in the season. Uh, Nikola Jokic has put up some huge numbers. He's been fantastic, but the team's not necessarily putting up the wins. So when you're looking at the MVP race at the moment, I'm not necessarily sure where you could find value. One name that intrigues me would be Luka Doncic. He was the favorite coming into the season. The team started slow. They didn't win a lot of games. He kind of fell back a little bit. You've got a better price out there on him now, and Dallas has been getting better here late in the season. Mark Cuban's a very aggressive owner, so who knows if he would make a move at the deadline. But if he keeps putting up those numbers and that team continues to win games and gets themselves back seriously into the thick of it, he could still end up winning that award. I think you have to look at – if you don't look at LeBron and it's too late to look at LeBron, I think you look at Embiid. I think you now that you can still get him plus 350. I'm going to be honest. None of these other guys can win. There's no way the Joker can win because um, he's not a cool enough guy. He's got a cool nickname, but he's not a cool enough guy. <laughs> and let's face it, I'm not voting for a guy from Denver when Utah's the best team in the West. And the bottom line is Luka and Dallas is so massively underperformed. You can't win the MVP when your team's just a little bit above 500. So now we can take Curry off the list and we can take Dame time off the list and the like. And so I'm left with, by process of elimination, Embiid, but Embiid hasn't played, simply hasn't played enough games. And that's the problem with Embiid. So I'm, if I had to make a bet, gun to my head, I'd bet Embiid plus the 350, but I'm passing. You know, um, you also mentioned earlier, Steve, you talked about how you bet the field versus Gonzaga, Baylor, Nova. I, I thought you were going to say Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan. And if you bet the field versus Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, I don't know if I like that. Now, the fact that you got Michigan and the rest of the field, I think is good. But if it was Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, I'd be a little nervous. Why did you drive to wherever you drove to to get the two grand in on this bet? I thought it was one of the worst numbers that I've ever seen. And why I didn't notice it earlier, I don't know. I guess part of it was I saw Butler run out Villanova. And I saw Baylor almost lose to a winless in conference, Iowa State. So clearly, post-COVID, Baylor's not Baylor anymore. But bottom line, let's just compare. If I asked you, do you want Michigan or do you want Gonzaga? We can have a discussion. Call them equal. Maybe Gonzaga's slightly better. But what you've got to remember, the tournament selection committee has one job. Screw the little guy. That is their number one priority. They will do everything possible to make sure mid-majors get the worst possible path. And any mid-major that has a possibility of beating a big guy will be sent to their deaths. Like San Diego State will get like, uh, will play Gonzaga in the second round and the like. There's no chance that they'll give a good path to the Zags. So Michigan and the Zags are equal. Now let's go to Baylor. Who would I rather have? Would I rather have Baylor or would I rather have the rest of the Big Ten and the rest of the Big 12? Well, clearly the Big Ten and the Big 12 is a monster favorite over Baylor. And then I can take Villanova against the rest of the world 
if you will, you know, and add up the Creightons and the Colorados and the Alabamas and the like. And clearly, I'd rather have them than have Villanova. So when a and when one and two are equal, Michigan and, and Gonzaga, and everything else stacks in favor of the field, and I got the field at plus money. The field should be like a minus one fifty favorite. I feel like I really think that you just got to hope that Gonzaga doesn't win the title. I don't see Baylor winning the title. I don't see Nova winning the title. And if you add up their chances, maybe it's like 35% field, 65%. So I think a great overlay should be about minus 180, and you're getting at minus 110. Joe, are you are you picking up what Fez is putting down here with that bet? I don't disagree with him. I, when the event originally came out, I saw a version that didn't involve Villanova. It was just Gonzaga and Baylor, and then the Villanova version came out as well. So there's a lot with this. And my first initial reaction when I saw it, was, oh, my God, I would love to have Gonzaga and Baylor because it was right in the heart of them being undefeated. Gonzaga has run everyone they've played out of the gym, but they really don't play the strictest of schedules, right? And then Baylor's been fantastic. They're an older bunch. They're a long bunch. They're a deep veteran bunch. But then they go on the COVID layoff, and it was maybe I was overlooking that a bit. So even before Baylor comes out and loses, I see Michigan with this comeback against Wisconsin coming off their own COVID layoff. And I was on Wisconsin for that game. I lost that game. They had a nice halftime lead, and then Michigan storms back and completely locks them down. And that's when I realized right there that the field was going to be the play. Not so much because I fell in love with Michigan, because I kind of did. The fact that most of these teams coming off COVID layoffs, they struggle a little bit. Even if they win, they don't look their best. Michigan looked fantastic, and they've looked fantastic ever since. Even the other night, they had a classic look-ahead spot to Illinois, and they still hammered whoever the opponent was. Uh, some inferior team, I can't remember, it may have been Indiana. I'm not necessarily sure, but it wasn't one of the bigger buns in the Big Ten. So I'm looking at that, and then I'm also remembering the fact that these are college kids. As great as they look, it's not like the pros. Like a great pro team like the Dodgers last year is going to be a great pro team even down 3-1, right? They might not win them all like Kansas City, but Kansas City went all the way to the Super Bowl. Like great pro teams aren't going to stumble the way college kids can stumble. One bad night, one other team gets hot. College hoops can be so unpredictable at times. I do agree with Fez. If I'm doing anything there, I would be taking the field as well. By the way, uh, UFC 259 this weekend. How about this promotion from my boys over at DraftKings, okay? 100 to 1 odds on either fighter to land a punch during the title fight. There are three title fights, 100 to 1, that they land a punch. I mean, come on. Just bet $1 on either fighter to land a punch, and if that happens, you'll cash $100. Just use the promo code ROSS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100. I bet you my boy Tuckheads J, uh, one of our patrons, is betting on this fight. If either main event fighter lands a punch on Saturday – Place your bet. Watch the fist fly this weekend. Code Ross, turn $1 into $100 if either fighter lands a punch. Limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Terms and conditions apply. You guys know the deal. 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, Joe, are you are you a big MMA guy? Are you a big MMA uh, better? Not an expert by any means on MMA. A casual fan. I watch just about every all the major fights I'll watch, and then a lot of the fight nights I jump in on as well. I love it because I haven't spent enough time around it, so I'm learning as we go. So basically, like with football, I've spent my whole life around it, covering it, writing about it, betting it. 
UFC, I'm so much more of a casual fan that I really enjoy watching it. I'll bet it, but generally off tips. It won't be my own, you know, analysis or handicapping. I, I, I'll go to guys who actually know what they're doing, and I'll ask them what they think. Steve, you never talk about MMA. You never bet MMA, do you? Oh, I bet everything. And certainly I'll bet against Conor McGregor in any MMA fight because the public loves him. You know, the one thing about that I love about MMA is that books take really big action, oftentimes from their whales, uh, their baccarat players and the like, that just decide for whatever reason, fight night, that they're going to drop 10 dimes on a wager and then they'll move their lines. It's not unusual on a fight night, you might see the underdog at one place plus 280 and the favorite at another place minus 260. So you have a scalp there where you can just make money. Contrast that with college basketball. You're never going to see a situation where you've got a money line where you can just arbitrage and go ahead and profit from. So MMA, because of the big limits, there's um, some really funky lines that can come up, especially remember some of these cards go to nine, 10 o'clock on Saturday night. And a lot of the pros are already in bed or done for the day. And all that's left is the public betting certain sides that just get out of control value to go against the public right before the fight starts. So I know, uh, Joe, from doing this show with Steve for, I don't know, five, six years now, more than that maybe, I know every year Fez gives the same speech on conference tournaments, college basketball conference tournaments. So – Explain, give me your speech again this year, Steve. We got a bunch of new listeners this year, bunch of new followers at Ross Tucker Pod, at Ross Tucker NFL, and a bunch of people listening to the show. Give them, give them the conference tournament college basketball speech, Steve. Avoid making the needle in the haystack bet. So, this is the time of year Joe's going to go do his show and he does a tremendous job with it, but they're going to put pressure on him. They're like, we need to know who's going to win the A-10. And Joe's going to be scrambling, looking at his numbers. And Joe knows that the, the bet, the right bet, is to be the bookmaker and book every single one of these teams because none of them are good bets. But that's bad TV. So he'll look it through and he'll say, you know what, Dayton's undervalued. I'll pick Dayton 12 to 1. But the truth is, if you parlay Dayton in each and every one of their games, you could mechanically engineer a 20 to 1 payout. So you're getting so short paid on the number on teams like that, that there's no good values on these conference tournaments because the the dastardly bookie can hide extra vig. If you bet every team in these conference tourneys, you're going to lose half of your bankroll in expectation because the bookmaker is going to hold 40 to 50%. So that is not the way to bet conference tourneys. The way to bet them is just find good spots and good teams and undervalued teams and bet on them Maybe each and every game you bet on Dayton. You just don't bet on Dayton to win the A-10. You know, um, I want you to talk about that, Joe, because you're a guy that does a show every day. Talk about the pressure to have a pick, have a bet. I mean, like you, I, Steve, a lot of times will be like, no, the math doesn't work. I'm not doing it, not doing it. Like, that would be a boring show if you just said, you and Doug Kazarian said, I don't like any of these bets, Doug. Not, I don't like any of the numbers. Me either, Joe. Back to you. <laughs> Let's go to a commercial break. Like that. Talk about that dichotomy a little bit. Well, what you're trying to do is marry two things, right? You're trying to marry entertainment with sports betting. And sometimes they might not necessarily mix all the way. Fezzik makes an interesting point. It's also a smart point. If you're going to win 
long-term sports betting, you can't be betting on everything every single day. You have to exercise discipline and bankroll management more than anything else. So many people think it's about walking out and just betting on a jersey because that team's the better team. You got to pick your spots. You got to get the best numbers. It really is a math game. So ultimately, if you're in a situation where it's like, hey, here's 10 games we'd like you to pick on TV today, you know, if you don't gel with all of them, what are you going to do? You don't necessarily have to pick them. And that's what's great about the producers on the show is that no one's ever really forced into making any sort of picks. They kind of go through a process the night before the morning of where we start talking about what's going to be popular, what games we want to get into. We have as much input where we can say, I'm, I'm really interested in the Mavericks tonight. I don't have a lot on Portland. And ultimately, we'll try to marry the two worlds. We'll try to figure out, hey, these are the most popular games. You know, the Lakers are going to be playing the Celtics tonight. It's the biggest game, so we are going to talk about it. If you have an angle on a side, a total, or a prop, we'd love to hear it. If you don't, we'd love to hear the rationale why. So it's not as if you're necessarily forced to make picks on everything, but you do want to come out with picks. So ultimately, we're trying to figure out which games, which positions we like, and then in games that they want us to talk about that are really popular, good for TV, if we don't necessarily have a pick, we can talk about something else or why we're not making the pick. But it is trying to marry two worlds, and a lot of it's in its infancy. For everyone who's covering this, you know, when Fezzik and I were talking about this stuff together 10 years ago, you know, it was still very much in the shadows. And now you've got all the major networks and all these major podcasts and broadcasts that are covering this. So it's very important to try to figure out a way to make the worlds work together, but also in a smart way and an effective way, mostly for the viewers. Joe, last question, because um, I do want to get your NFL season takeaways. It was a really unique year. We all know that. Steve and I did an episode I want to say two weeks ago, where we just said, okay, like, what did we learn from the 2020 season moving forward, whether it's home field advantage or the key numbers of people going for two point conversions more? Like, if next year, whether it's futures bets or when you start betting week one next year, what's the biggest thing you'll take with you from the 2020 NFL season? Whether or not there's a crowd will be the first thing out of the gate that I'll be looking at. Is there a crowd? Are we at max capacity? Because if we're at max capacity, I don't know how much I'm going to wait from this previous season versus other seasons. And we're seeing this in more than just football, right? Basketball, we're seeing road teams not only cover, but win outright at higher clips in virtually all sports. The NBA is having more outright upsets than we're used to. Football had that as well. And that's because of the crowd. You know, you talk to the players. Ross, you know it better than anyone. You take, you go to New Orleans on a Monday night with a packed house. That's one thing. You go to New Orleans on a Sunday morning with nobody. That's a different situation. Guys can hear the play calls. Guys can hear the other sidelines. It's a very di different atmosphere when you take the crowd out of it. Quarterbacks have an easier time communicating at the line of scrimmage. So you're seeing teams move down the field. We saw a lot of scoring, especially early in the season. Tons of overs last year. So I would say the first thing I'd be looking for is crowds. If the crowds are back, then I don't know how serious or how much I'm going to wait last year versus previous years. I'd probably be more inclined to look to two, three, and four years ago. Number two, because we had such a run of overs early in the year – I'm curious to see week one through week five, for example, what the average total was last year and then how that's going to come out this year. Maybe the bookmakers overdo it because they're anticipating the same thing. Maybe there will be some value in unders. So those would be the first couple things I'd be looking for out of the gate. 
He is the first person in the history of planet Earth to have a daily betting show on ESPN every single day. Joe does a terrific job with Doug Kazarian on Daily Wager. You can check him out on Twitter at Joe Fortenbaugh, F-O-R-T-E-N-B-A-U-G-H, like Uncle Sammy, Sammy Baugh. Joe, awesome work, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you both for the invite. I haven't talked to Fezzik in forever. Ross, I haven't talked to you in probably close to half a year because of the radio station. So it was awesome coming on. Thank you for the invite. I appreciate it. Yeah, that guy is a stud. Joe Fortenbaugh, big fan of his work, Steve. Awesome show. You know what we do next week. Soon, we're going to do our 2020 recap in terms of our financials and our numbers over the past few years. And then, of course, we'll have some special guests like Joe coming up in future weeks. Other than that, good luck, everybody. Hope you guys win some money. Thanks for listening to the Even Money Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, the Fantasy Feast, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.